plus minus. Curry, way downtown. Tim Kawakami deserves all the credit there. <laughs> Plus minus. Hey, driving again. Tell Marcus that he asked you know, that question about my defense. You hear that, Marcus? Anthony, you know me well, buddy. I have a great night. I think he got the highest plus minus in the season in NBA history. So the Warriors, in honor of Warriors Plus Minus, decided to get off the schneid before we record. We were ready to bring the heat. We were going to tear down this franchise. We were going to call out everybody and get people fired. Let's still do it. Let's still do it. And then they won. So now we're back to how great this team is. Slater, I will say this. The Warriors are tied with Miami Heat, (laughs) the number one team in the East. It's funny to think about it. Uh, They've they've, been on this skid. They finally won and ended the losing streak. And they have the same record as the number one team in the East. I still say fire everybody, Tim Kawakami. They've got to get out of here. They've got to go. The Clippers are frauds. That win meant nothing, as Kawakami said to me all night long. The Clippers are terrible. They are the fifth worst offense in basketball. So it wasn't some stunning defensive performance. But you go one and nine in a 10-game stretch, like might deserve a little bit of a... Alarm bells, slight alarm bells. Wasn't it two and eight? Wasn't it two and eight? I thought it was two and eight. It was two and nine in the oh, last nine, eleven. Yeah. I think. Oh, okay, I got that. Yeah, I, whatever. Yeah, whatever. Um, but I mean, generally, it deserved a lot. After resting Steph, Wiggins, Clay, you know, the, in the first game of the back to back, they had to win this one. Right? I mean, if you lose this one, then we're really having a different conversation. And and they may go on to lose more, but this one they had to win. They played fine. You know, what was Steph say? This is Warriors basketball. That's how they win games. I didn't think they looked fantastic, but they looked fine. I thought the defense, like, that's the most important thing, right? That They were talking about efforts. Like, if you can't summon some level of defense, then none of this is going to work. And they did it against a very bad def- offensive team, no question. But they did play good. You know, they, they had a couple of those steals. They did it for yeah. three quarters. Three quarters. To be fair. Three quarters. Yep. It got, uh, it got a little nervous. And, and then that Rodney Hood almost took him down all by himself. The Warriors killer Rodney Hood. Lead went from 29 to 11 quick. I had some fans sitting next to me like, again, not again. <laughs> Every time like Rodney hit, I was like, geez, like it is kind of like. You sitting next, sit next to Joe Lacob? Yeah, basically, it felt like you it. Uh, down there. The tenseness in the uh, in Chase Center started at about a 20-point lead. And when it got down to like 20, people were like, I don't know. Uh-oh. It's funny. Then it got down to 14. Then it hit 11. Oh, man. The Clippers ran out of time, though. Uh, uh, Tim's guy, Amir Coffee, if he had five more minutes. <laughs> He's left-handed. He's left-handed. Remember that. I think they forgot that a few times. But, again, I mean, again, it, it was a good Warriors game. They, you know, they played the way they have to play. They hit threes. I mean, you know, they hit open shots. Like, sometimes that's just simply the difference. Uh, in, in NBA basketball right now, are you hitting your open threes or are you not hitting your open threes? And they hit a bunch of them against a mediocre team like this, like against the Clippers, and you're going to play decent defense to good defense, then you should win those games. That's what they've been missing. Like just just play decently and win a game. Like they played decently and then they lost because they played horribly at the end. They played decently and then lost because they played you know horribly at the end. They played horribly and lost. like they just haven't had one of those. Play pretty good and then just finish it out. Uh, that's what's been missing. That's what they should do at home almost every single game when they're more talented or have Steph Curry and Clay Thompson going. You should be able to do this and they did it last night. It's just a, a standard kind of win. They just haven't had a standard kind of win in a long time. 
Yeah, and I would say generally like the positive vibe that, you know, Marcus is really trying to bring to this podcast, it's about much more than the win. Like this was a really good like four-day stretch for the Warriors because of the news, right? Like Draymond Green That's is like I was like going to say, the game doesn't even matter. In the, in James the Wiseman is playing in the, the G The season starts Monday. Russell Wilson yeah. got traded from the – no, that's a different That's a different team that should be possible. Yeah, I mean, sure. Why not? I mean, the fan overlap there at least. But, um, yes, like you would assume that kind of juices – you know, provides a little juice, particularly the Draymond news to the Warriors. And, you know, they had the other thing is maybe this isn't good for the veterans. Like – like a lot of these young guys are emerging, even, you know, like Poole's road trip, obviously Moody's road trip, Kaminga kind of, I guess, shaking off what was a rough patch. Like a lot of good stuff is happening with the Warriors. They finally had a win to show for it. But I don't know, even going into the Clippers game before the game even started, didn't you kind of sense this slump, whatever you want to call it, starting to shift back the other way? Yeah, I mean, you know, Dray- Draymond's the big one. and. I don't know whether, you know, they're rushing it or he's rushing it back. Not rushing, but I think they're ending the leisurely part of like, we don't need him back. We don't need him back. Now, like, okay, you know what? It's time for you to come back. And I'm sure Draymond's thinking that too. And that's where you get the Draymond announcement that it's going to be Monday. Of all likelihood, it's going to be Monday against Washington. I would have thought it would have been that, missed that one too and get to the next one. But it's going to be somewhere in there. This part of the season, you know, that middle part where, well, you know, they'd built up this huge amount of wins where they could afford to blow some games. And then they really did blow them. They blew as many as they could afford and probably a few more. Because if you're sliding close to the four seed, uh, that's not where you want to be. Because even if there's a little bit of a bobble when, of adjustment when Draymond comes back, when Iguodala comes back, you know, assuming Wiseman comes back, then you're, you're the four seed. And that's not where they want to be in any way. Uh, or the five seed. That's the positivity. It's just like, I think it's kind of triggered. Like they were kind of ready for this, and then they just this is Draymond's got to come back, and Draymond knows he's got to come back, and then you might maybe have three or four games of adjustment with that, but then it shouldn't be two weeks or a month of adjustment. It should just be plug it in and see where you are. And, and again, we can see the rotations. You mentioned the young guys, Moody and Kaminga, are ahead are now ahead of what Damian Lee and JTA and probably Bielitsa. Although Bielitsa played last night. Like, you can just see this formulating. We've been talking about this for months. Like, you can just see where this is headed in the playoffs. And though Kerr's not committing to play those guys all the time in the playoffs, they're je- definitely eyeing that that these guys are going to play in the rotation of the playoffs. And, and again, that's more positivity. That's, that's kind of moving this out of this dull, dread, you know, clunky period into, okay, pre-playoffs. Now they're in pre-playoffs. Over, under, one and a half Kaminga DNPs in the playoffs. <laughs> I'm taking over. I'm taking over. Uh, we'll over, under, Moody DNPs. The Moody's going to probably not be under. Yeah, I know. They're very similar, very similar, but for, in different ways. There will be DNPs for both of them, I think, though. I mean, they just, I mean, it's the way Kirk coaches. And he's gonna go back to his trusty veterans, and he's got a lot of them. Like you know, if you can't, if you start counting it down, yeah, Iguodala and Draymond to it. They've got what eight veterans that they're going to play. So then that these are that's nine and ten for for Moody and and Bielitsa. I mean, sorry, Moody and Kaminga, not Bielitsa. So yeah, we'll see. The edge of the rotation could could get some DMPs, but could get some twenty five minute games too, where they're both pretty important. That just that's just where they are in the rotation right now. Where do you want to begin? Should we go Draymond? Is that the most important? Or the Wiseman news? Uh, I imagine we, all three of us, will be doing the next Warriors Plus Minus from Stockton. Stockton. Site of the Santa Cruz Warriors against the Stockton Kings and the 
the ramping up of James Wiseman. Who's with me? Who's with me in Stockton? Who's Slater will just go there for the Kings, I think. I think Slater's doing a lot of Kings coverage right now. Quinn Cook is playing for the Stockton Kings. Like That is the story. By the way, did you see the Coach K farewell game, pregame ceremony, all the alums come out there, and who's the one who has his arm around K? Who's the one? The number one Duke alum of all time, the greatest single Duke player ever, Quinn Cook. <laughs> the number one A option for the Stockton Kings right now. He gonna, <laughs> he's going to have James Wiseman in pick and roll all night. Let's go watch. <laughs> if you guys commit to a courtside postgame uh, uh, Stockton podcast, maybe I will make my way down there. That's not happening. Marcus could get there. I, I don't think I'll, I'll zoom in on that one. I will not. I will not be in place for it. But Wiseman's big. I mean, again, I think they've always been counting on Wiseman. You know, again, counting. Man, maybe that's the wrong phrase. The head coach is saying he is not. Yeah, the head coach maybe not. I think a lot of other people in the organization are just like he's somebody that can be useful in the playoffs, and not every game, not twenty minutes a game, but. There's a rare, rare skill there. There's a rare size. What as Curry said, like he just does stuff that no one else on the team does. It's erratic. Uh, you you don't know where it's going to be. It's not a, quite their style. But they didn't sign a center at the beginning of the season, and they didn't add a center throughout all this because they're like, yeah, we, we still got Wiseman. Like that, that's still in their thinking. If he's out there and playing well in, in Santa Cruz or in Stockton or wherever he's going to be. He's going to be playing some minutes for this team in the playoffs here and there, not not every single game. And they've counted on it. They've, they've set it up this way, uh, and now they're ready to see it. There's a lot of, I guess, push for him to get some second unit, like a test drive. Whenever he's, you know, deemed ready, he's at least playing two G League games before you'll see him. But, you know, they've now set up the second unit to have a full chunk of minutes, right? It's not this little choppy. And when I say second unit, I'm talking non-Steph minutes. Yeah, that's what the second unit is. That's sec- it's just non-Steph. Yeah. Even though it'll now bridge quarters, it's going to be you know five to six straight minutes. There's a push to kind of get it set up where it is uh, Wiseman pool pick and roll heavy. Two shooters, Iguodala out there, you know, a lineup that makes sense. Uh, it'd be very good for Jordan Poole, who we should get to for a segment, the way he's playing. But also, like, that gives Jordan Poole a lot of, like, ball handling responsibility. You saw it in Denver, like... You know, this guy he really gets going when you actually, you know, hand him the ball and, uh, and allow him more freedom. And I know there's a desire to get him in more of those situations and the belief that you pair that with Wiseman for at least, like I said, down the stretch of a seven, eight game stretch where the stakes still are not that high. Right. You know, there's still a bridge before the playoffs and then just see how he looks. And, you know, if for 10 to 12 minutes a game, he doesn't look ready, pull the plug. But if he does look ready, then then maybe they do suddenly have. A useful and Clay you know, Clay's and Kurzman Clay, Clay's on that unit too. Like, well, he's uh, perfect yeah. for for that offensive uh, strategy because you could. I don't know, you know about that. I, I don't know about Clay being in that unit. He's an elite type of floor spacer. He's at least a spacer where the defense is going to guard him. The defense is going to guard. If he's playing like a floor spacer, if he's playing like an offensive creator, then that's where you kind of get into the clash with Jordan Poole. Well, that's where the coaching has to come into the equation and say, hey, guess what? The strategy in this lineup mostly, like, look, Clay, you get a, you get the ball in the wing at times. Like, yeah, sure, you're allowed to, you know, drive and shoot. But the offensive strategy in this unit generally in the half court setting is pick and roll heavy with Wiseman and Poole. I would say like a Moody Clay or Wiggins Clay space in the floor and Iguodala in the dunker spot. That is the general. I just love idea. this. Like, oh, don't we can't mess up Jordan Poole, Clay? Don't you mess up Jordan Poole? And, and exactly. I understand it, but you can't. I don't know exactly. If that's, I don't know if that's the 
greatest way to look at this, but that's okay. I yeah, mean, but I mean, it's Jordan the Poole's way. Been better I mean, yeah, yeah, Jordan yeah. Poole's been better lately. There's no question. He's been better Even lately. still, yeah. Clay is not an offensive creator. Like, yeah. it's just not what he does. Like, well, when he's he doing attacks, it because he's doing it because the shot's not great. That's why he's doing it, right? I and mean, also, and but but when he does it, like nobody else is getting off. Well, he's had a couple drops to Kaminga here and there. Uh, yeah, a I mean, couple. Yeah. A couple. But, <laughs> I mean, you just heard her from Steph last night. It's like, hey, you know, even after this game, Clay was down about a shooting. But, you know, I'm told you're Clay Thompson, and, you know, that's that's who you are. You're going to make these shots. And even Clay said, like, this is like, I get, the shots have got to start falling. And that's uh, he'll he's got, he'll yeah. make them. Yeah, I so think. You just, like, he's doing this because the shots aren't falling. I want him to do it. I think he needs to do it. Do it with Steph. <laughs> They're it's playing a, it's a, Steph Clay and, better, and Jordan yeah, all together, setup. right? I mean, Kerr, Kerr said that enough yesterday that you clearly there's an emphasis on getting those three together on the court. I put the stat in my post game article: um, plus fifty six and seventy four minutes together. Those three. It's tough to guard. It's really it's tough, tough to guard. To guard. I mean, yeah. I, I'm sure they were stayed away from it at least early stages of Clay because of the defensive liabilities there. I mean, Steph's your best defensive player of the three. Clearly, it's not. Even, I mean, right now, it's not even close. Uh, so is Steph's going to go guard you know, the tough guy? I get Clay has said he now he wants to play the toughest defensive uh, offensive perimeter player. But I, yeah, I think at some point they're saying, you know what, Jordan, you have to play defense. You just like that's going to force him. You must play defense. You can't just float around and just you know count on hitting four threes and making up for it. I think that might be part of it. Like they're just not going to you know make up for for Jordan Poole's lack of defense and where they're just gonna say you are going to play defense this is what you must do in this unit and yeah then then offensively it's great it's a great unit you know the two initiators who can make it at every level and you have clay on the corner and you you know add a couple other guys around that that should be a really interesting and dynamic uh, offense because make the other team try to guard you very Nelly ball, very Nelly ball. Go offense to force the other team to bring defensive players and the defense. Very Nelly ball, off. right? Yeah, very defense Nelly. is yeah. great. Offense is good defense. Exactly, because <laughs> you because you you try to drag them into playing defensive players, and the defensive players can be guarded by your bad defensive players because they're defensive players. It's so Nelly, and also it puts pressure on the offense to try to score, which helps your defense, right? Yeah, when and, it's, and it quickens it quickens up yeah. it quickens up the game. It speeds it up. Pace is good. So we'll see. I mean, again, I understand the defensive mentality. I think a big part of we. I mean, Clay is such a huge part of that. And again, I think they made a decision. Even if they, it was not even a decision, they're going to stick with Clay and going to play him as much as he can play. Get him through this. I mean, shooting career lows and threes, career lows overall. You know, we all know he doesn't look great shooting the ball. I mean, hit hit some last night. Uh, maybe that'll get him going again. But he's hit shots and then gone through four game, five game, six game. You know, slumps too this season. It's going to be slow. It's not going to be there all the time. But they got to ride him. There's nobody else. There's nobody else who can do what he does. There's nobody with that size. It's not Damian Lee for more minutes. Damian Lee, by the way, DMP last night. It's not, you know, Gary Payton the second. He's hurt again, and he just can't do that offensively. It's got to be Clay. So I think there is a little bit of a chips push. It's like Steph, Clay, Jordan. Let's, let's, let's go with those three. Because you know who's not going to be a big offensive initiator for him? Guy making like $33 million a year. Andrew Wiggins is not going to do it. It's not, it's not the guy they can count on. They can have him do some other things, but you put him on that court, he's your third option. He's not even a second option. He's a third option. Might even be a fourth option. 34 minutes for Clay Thompson last night. Yep. He noted it himself. Yep. He loved it. He loved it. I was interested in how Clay decided to put me on the best perimeter player. I wonder if it's akin to why he started this in the beginning. Because remember, um, 
he used to have all these issues with help defense and off the ball and you know and Mark Jackson was like listen go guard the point guard right lock in this is your assignment I wonder if he just needs that right now he hasn't been good defensively to the point where it's like yeah give me this guy give me your best guy he wasn't he wasn't locking down like that so it was interesting that you know Steve Kerr said that Clay asked for the assignment and I just wonder if he need if he knows it's better for me if I just lock in on one guy and that way people aren't seeking me out they are like trying to hunt me I'm not playing weak side defense exactly like that they were he was getting that guy anyway because they were switching to make sure that he was on that guy so might as well just start off on that guy it's just I, I see that I mean it might hurt him a little bit but it's not like you can avoid Clay guarding Russell Westbrook or whoever we've seen him get burned by. I think Doncic a few times. Like, might as well just start him out because they're going to go try to get him. And if he's playing poorly, they're going to try to get him on those guys, and the opponent will. And it's going to hurt him. Just try to get get to that level at some point and do the best you can. Use your strength, use your body, and maybe the lateral quickness will get there at some point. It's clearly not there yet, but it's totally understandable. Is, is this too much too soon? Is like he's saying, get me. I want to get back. You know. Wiggins isn't doing it. Right? That's the other point here, right? That it's Wiggins. I think isn't that's a really huge doing, point. Yeah, yeah that's I think a that's a huge point. Yeah, that's Wiggins' job. Clay's kind of pissed off at himself right now, and I think his answer to like making himself play better is like forcing himself into these situations. I mean, we see it with his shooting, right? It's like you know, if he's oh four to start the game, he's not like oh okay, don't have it tonight. Like you know, my shot's still not feeling. It. Let me sink into the background. It's like no, every possession, get me the ball. I need to shoot myself into a rhythm. It's the same mentality on defense. It's clearly just the same mentality he's attacking this rehab process, which is try to get back to all NBA level. He's mentioned all NBA level several times, like as quick as possible. And his answer to that is like, I'm not playing that good a defense. Like force me. Like I will get better if I go and just like you know play really hard against you know Kyrie tonight whoever and that's just you know his mentality I mean you in his rehab when he was like going against Barbosa it was like Barbosa was kind of getting to him early on by the way Barbosa's like really good I was watching him in a three-on-three the other day before um the Denver game he was like getting buckets on some of these guys man they don't need Tyreek Evans they need to just (laughs) sign Barbosa (laughs) I mean there's that argument and every day like Clay would come back to it like come on like let's play again and I just think that's a little bit like what he's doing you know in some ways it's that mentality has aided to the slump recently the way he's like leaned into it but their hope is that Clay Thompson is correct and like this is the way to get him better for the playoffs yeah you want players who have that kind of pride Steph mentioned that like he was talking about it more about Clay shooting, but if it's defensively, if that's your why pride, are they like, letting him do this though? <laughs> what, do you, what do you mean, the shooting or the, or the no, defense? No, just the defense, like forces. The way. defense is Andrew Wiggins. That's it's. I, I I mean, I'm not saying that's why Clay's saying it, but I think it's that's why for they're them saying to be, okay, yeah, Clay. It's easier, yeah, it's easier yeah. for them to go. You know, all right. Thank you, you Clay. Know, please, we need somebody you know, like, out there. We, we've been around these guys long enough. They don't say things outright, right? They like when when they went back to Steph's old rotation as slater asked him yesterday it wasn't like a long discussion between steve and steph it was a text like steve's like hey i'm thinking about putting going go back to your rotation so like okay there it is there's now steph's this whole long conversation this whole talking point for the whole season they ended it in a two texts so like that's how they communicate i think it was pretty clear i think it was pretty clear what steph wanted yeah, from the beginning, from the beginning, he was just like, "All right, by the end of the season, we might work our way." You think that was a hint? Do you think that was a suggestion? I'm just saying, 
It's not like, okay, Clay, here we're going to talk about it. You're going to get the best defensive player, best offensive player because Andrew Wiggins is sliding back a little bit. And like, they don't have those discussions. It's just when Clay says, I want to be guarding the best guy, I think there's some suggestion. In you're mind you're saying there off. wasn't anybody saying, oh, no, you, we good. Wiggins has got it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> nobody's saying that. Nobody's saying that, especially after the last nope. five, six games. Including, clearly, not Wiggins, by the way. No, he, but that's not Wiggins <laughs> anyway. I mean, he's, 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 oh, give me the guy. Give me that. I want that guy. Give me Harden. I want Harden. I don't think he's saying that. If it's the playoffs, though, and they're playing a big wing, it will be Wiggins. And, you know, even let's say they're playing Memphis, second round. Clay can say, I want Jaw tonight. I think if it's a playoffs, they're going to be like, no. Yeah, no, no, Gary Payton is going to get a shift, and Wiggins can get a shift, and you know maybe you get switched on over. Like, you're guarding Desmond Bain because you match up better with Desmond yeah, Bain. In all seriousness, I do think Clay, the, the, the ideal version of Clay, is better against those little point guards than Wiggins is. So I do think there's some teams where it's like, okay, Wiggins, there's two really good perimeter guys. The one with a little bit of size is the one that Wiggins is best with. The little speedy dudes, he doesn't he doesn't do that great with. But I don't know is, if I mean, Clay is there for that, right? That's, the, he, that's Clay. Clay came back better as a bigger absolutely. Wing yep, yep, yep. That's just true, he right? The lateral a, quickness is down. Forward defense, like he's guarding power forwards. He, yeah, right. He's on Marcus Morris here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but you know the way the NBA's and, and didn't didn't Draymond joke about that? Like like he's he's a four now uh, offensively at least but anyway uh there's going to be matchups where it's not clay against the number one offense that's why player. gary Payton no is so Payton. important and wiggins is going to have to get some of them he's just going to have to especially when he can't make a free throw and, and he's clanking around other things and again all this is like you've got to give them something somewhere i said about pool i said about wiggins i said about clay i said about everybody but I do think this is a, a, a recognition that what they were doing wasn't working. I mean, they were really bad for 15 games, really bad defensively. Uh, and this is like 20th, 21st, 22nd ranked defense in over a 15-game stretch. That's just terrible. It's not ideal. It's not, again, it's not Clay going out there and saying, you know, Chris Ball, you're, you know, that's, I got you. That's probably not going to happen, but there's going to be some of it, more of it. And again, it's, it's the, it's the pride of the dynasty. It's what the, the two-way clay, all these things that we've seen. And I think it's some acceptance that they can't just say, Wiggins, you're that guy now. They, it's, just, it's just, that's not, that's not happening. Like they're going to, they're going to have to kind of manage that. And Iguodala is going to get some of this and, you know, it's just, you can just kind of see them making these recalibrations, especially of Wiggins, Bielitsa, Porter, you know, like we see where they're kind of going, okay, now we kind of have to cover this over there. And Clay getting a broader defensive responsibility is, is definitely part of that. Well, I think a big part of it comes Monday, Slater, potentially. It's the backline of defense, the defensive wizard. I'll tell you what, if it's not Monday, it's a bad setup. So, yeah, I mean, I think we could pretty much, I don't want to say it, put it in Sharpie, but I mean, it's it's. Sounds pretty sad. But are they going to go like Draymond 15 minutes or are they going to go Draymond 25, 30 minutes? I, I would say in the 20s. I mean, even Clay came back to 20. Um, I, I bet 25. He's playing a scrimmage today, and I assume he'll get maybe two or three more in that'll really kind of try to bump his condition. He's not going to Stockton. That's like, I, <laughs> no, Clay. That's no, just no, one on one with Tyreek Evans. <laughs> <laughs> we will be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? 
Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Tyreek Evans is in the facility today. I, I don't know this for sure, but I would guess, yes, I think I bet Tyreek Evans is part of the uh, scrimmage. Because, you know, it, it can be hard for them at times to get full fives. You know, sometimes they have to add a Leandro Barbosa, as I mentioned. Um, so, yeah, I bet Tyreek Evans is in there. Maybe uh, maybe we can hear how he looked. All right, Slater, you and Shams were this had a scoop on that. Is this serious? The Warriors going to, like, really consider adding Tariq Evans and cutting? I mean, the more important thing is they'd have to cut somebody. They went to Miami uh, to work him out uh, last week, right around the Dallas game. And he, you know, he looked good enough, shot it well, you know, looks, and that's the big thing with him, right? He hasn't played in a couple of years. How does he look? Look good enough to, to bring them to the facility. Obviously, you know, you get him around your medical staff, you uh, get him around more people in the organization because the entire organization certainly doesn't fly to Miami. And that second meeting signaled a level of like interest that is notable. And then it became even more notable. I was a bit surprised that they brought him out and watched the second half with him sitting next to Bob Myers and Mike Dunleavy in the, in the front office's seats that are, what, five rows off the court right behind the Warriors bench, like clearly in view of the entire team and the entire media. That part was notable. Again, now it certainly has not been ruled out. Tyreek Evans is trying to get back in the league now. Tyreek Evans is not trying to get a contract in the summer. Now, maybe this leads to something that, that there's more interest in the summer. Maybe if the, the Warriors aren't willing to sign him now and he can't find a deal elsewhere, maybe they float the idea of the G League. A lot of it depends on how he looks. But Tyreek Evans definitely came to this workout hoping to try to win a roster spot as quick as possible in the NBA, if that's with the Warriors. That's probably his hope. You never know the full level of serious interest, but I think the the way that they're doing it and the fact that he was sitting next to or with the front office right behind the bench, it's got to be noted. Part of me thinks that means he's not going to sign, right? I just, I've never seen them do that with a guy that they're going to sign. But also maybe it's a, you know, there's a couple guys on the bench who if he did come, they would have to get cut. And maybe that was a wake up. Hey, all I'm saying is them and your Bielitsa played pretty well with Tyreek Evans sitting there <laughs> sitting there watching. So I, I thought it was weird, but part of me feels like this might this might be a bit of the Warriors saying, hey, man, let me put our arm around you, make people think we're going to sign you, and then hopefully that triggers some interest for you. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen that. A player who might be signing, sitting with them at a game, right? Like, in the middle uh where it's not reported, like, you know, you guys hadn't even reported it yet. It'd have been hilarious if uh if they would have told Raymond it was false and Raymond had come upstairs and given you the how where are you getting this from? Like how did you report that? No, no. Right, right there. Right there. <laughs> I, I, that to me was just unique. I I'm wondering 
if this is a come work out with us, come get your game together, right? Come show us something so we can now have something to say. And, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll put you on the pedestal, the Warriors pedestal, see what it does. Bob Myers' client. I don't know if I mentioned that. Former, former Bob Myers. Former, former, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah former. <laughs> uh, and also, the other connection, 2018 summer, uh, they tried to give him the mid-level. And uh, he got more money. It was he had, had kind of had a resurgent season the year before. I believe Memphis gave him more money, and he decided to go there. They get that's the year they gave it to Demarcus Cousins instead later in free agency. But this front office, led by Bob Myers, has tried to get him in the past. Now, is he even near that? We should player? say he's, he's coming off suspension. Yeah, you know, yeah, I know, yeah, for a drug of abuse. Uh, so that's why he's been out. Very been a very talented player, but clearly had been what had some injuries. His, his play declined, but also famously was the rookie of the year, the year that Steph Curry was second. I'll always remember that. Uh, and yes, the Sacramento Kings could have drafted Steph Curry. I seem to recall that. But uh, I don't know what position he would play. I don't, I mean, again, it's hard to, it's hard to figure, you know, playmaker on a second unit kind of thing. But that's like we're talking about. That's Jordan Poole. And, and you're bumping out, you know, you can, we can talk about who it would bump out. But it's interesting. Uh, Bob Myers has a lot of former clients, a lot of very high-profile former clients, many of them who've played on the Warriors so um, or are in the front office of the Warriors, uh, counting Mike, who were sitting next to Bob Myers also on the other side was, was Mike Dunleavy. So it's interesting. They're always looking. That's like we always say. They're always looking. Goran Dragic, you know, was a very interesting name for them to be interested in the buyout, which would have directly affected Jordan Poole. So maybe it's some signaling, maybe it's some light a fire off a guy, you know, or it's just that they, they just like to be in that deal flow. They, they don't like to sit out anything. They want to be involved with things. I, I don't know that this one's likely, and I don't know that any signing's likely, but they continue to they continue to percolate. Like there's always something interesting with them. Got to watch that fifth row behind the Warriors bench all the time just to see who's sitting there. We, we might have missed one. Maybe he was sitting there with uh, Marcus Gasol the other night. Who knows? Funny how a couple of people were like, Man, who's the other player next to him? It was. <laughs> people were saying that, yikes. Um, yeah, no, that was uh, Ryan Atkinson, who is uh, kind of so one of the rising figures, you'd say, in their front office, was Santa Cruz Warriors. Now he's part of the, the main Warriors front office. It's uh, So, yeah, we, we, we haven't even talked about Draymond or Jordan Poole yet. Uh, They've been talking about Draymond being kind of the the reason or his absence being the reason for the low. How much of this can Draymond fix? Uh, how much of it is reasonable, uh, especially considering he keeps saying he's never been through this before. He's never missed this much time before. That's very evident to him. He's been working out. He's been getting his workouts in, but he ain't played NBA basketball in a while. Like, What's a reasonable expectation for Draymond? They are trusting the will of Draymond Green to just like force his way back into playoff form by the playoffs. And I would say the encouraging thing for them, like, yes, he's only going to get a few scrimmages in before we see him Monday, but there's 14 games left in the regular season Monday. There's a month. This is around the time, you guys know this, this is around the time in like the dynasty years, particularly late dynasty years, when a lot of times they'd cruise through the regular season, he would start to be like, all right, I'm working out, I'm getting in playoff mode, right? You know, you'd see him post game, like going to the uh, weight room because he had to like do a post game workout and he'd be like, you know, playoffs almost here. So this is his normal like get in shape mode for the playoffs. Now it's it's more challenging. He's a bit older. He's going through an injury, like you said, he's never gone you through. This but, is the normal time he loses twenty pounds in a year. <laughs> but this is not April 
you know, fourth that he's coming back. I mean, I think the fact that he's coming back March 14th, that's really good for them. I, I think we'll see it at the end of halves. Like, I mean, th- that's where they need him more than anything. I mean, they need him every bit of the game, but they've been struggling, you know, end of quarters, end of halves. We've seen the open shots they give up. We've seen the offensive rebounds they give up. We've seen the defensive just kind of sag. And when you can't shut a team down for the final three minutes of a quarter, you're in trouble. I mean, and they believe in that too. Like that's when they want to flurry on people. That's why Steph has usually played the end of every quarter, although he doesn't anymore. You know, maybe it'll be a little funky for Draymond or, you know, just getting readjusted, getting up to speed, feeling out the body. But can he, yes, as Mark, summon the will? Can he just like be Draymond to close out, especially halves? Like, can he just get that, be the small ball five? gets them sped up, gets everybody else into the flow, creates offensively so Steph doesn't have to do it all the time, gets, you know, Clay into a good spot, feeds, you know, has little pocket passes to Kaminga, whatever. All those things, I think, I'll be looking at the end of house, especially the end of games if it's a close game. You know, if he's going to get the best eight minutes of Draymond will be, I think, and, and our signal that he can do it for 35 minutes will be the last four minutes of the first half, last four minutes to six minutes of the, of the second half of, of the game. And I think he can. I mean, I just think he can just wake up and do that. But we'll see. We, we don't know physically where he's at. Iguodala is the other one for those. I mean, we know they cl- love closing with Iguodala, and that's the other one. Although, I mean, I you know, we haven't seen him, and it's been a question what what exactly the, the, the severity of his injury is. Might not be much, might be something. But that's the other one. When you talk about closing and when you say that they haven't been had the formula to close these games in the last three, four weeks, it's Draymond, but it's also Iguodala, you know, just to get them orderly on offense and to be that guy that can plug in on defense wherever you need him to be. And you put those two guys in, and if they are there and if they are themselves, then that's a whole reordering of who the Warriors are right now. Iguodala scrimmaged in back in Minnesota. I saw him in a three-on-three scrimmage that included Wiseman, and he did again in Dallas. So, like, he's close. I think they're kind of slow playing him a little bit. Marcus, your take on uh, Draymond? I actually believe he'll be vital, and he doesn't need to play that much. I do think it's end of quarters. I think it's when the other team is going on a run, and you need somebody to stop it. It's when they start making those mistakes and, you know, Steph Curry is the kind of leader that, you know, says, hey, man, everybody does their job (laughs) and walks to the bench where Draymond is going to let you know you blew that assignment. And it feels like guys like Wiggins, you know, uh, Bielitsa, even Clay, Steph certainly does, needs Draymond yelling at them, right? Because they they tend to lose focus. Jordan Jordan Poole. I don't know if Jordan Poole needs it. He just... He <laughs> <laughs> don't want it. Yeah, he doesn't want it. But they just lose focus, and he needs somebody to snap them back into it. But also, I mean, it is uh, remarkable what he can do on defense. So they actually need defensive talent, an infusion of defensive talent. We've seen when they put Gary Payton a second in, like it's just an infusion of a unique defensive talent. So that... That helps a lot. And I think a lot of those guys kind of rely on that uh, Draymond's, you know, specialness. So I don't think he needs to play very much. I know Steph's going to be happy because those relocations will actually result in shots uh, (laughs) instead of, you know, somebody else deciding to take it one-on-one, whereas Draymond's going to look for him. But I think it's pretty big, actually. I I think it is more of a a cure-all 
than it would seem, you know, just looking at his individual numbers. Just what he what he means is a lot. Yeah, allows him to play the offensive guys more too, I think. Just feel more comfortable about going stuff, Clay pool because you will have Draymond back there, you know, Draymond and Iguodala or Draymond on Kaminga, whoever else. Just the knowledge of that. Like if there's a messed up assignment, if somebody gets blown by, then you've got 23 who's going to be looking for that and going to be sensing it and, and going to be helping there. And even relocating again and relocating again. It, it just it's it's who they are. It's how they played. They, again, the, the, again, the most miraculous thing was that they were playing good without him when he first got hurt. Uh, well, in the middle of when he was hurt. And that was hard to how that all happened and how they maintained the defense. Then it all fell apart, which you would have imagined. So maybe it turned out it just been a 15 and 15, what, 16 and 15 now without Draymond this season. That's about right. That's about what they are. They're a mediocre team without Draymond. They shouldn't be a terrible team without him, but they, sh- they, sh- they certainly aren't going to be their best. If they just get that, you know, just have knowing he's back there is going to be the difference. Even if he's not playing at the top level, just knowing and hearing him, hearing that voice, I think will make a dramatic difference for them. And, you know, then him and Gary Payton on the floor together on on defense. I mean, we haven't really seen that a ton this season. Uh, I think that would be something that they would very much like to see in the playoffs. And, and maybe opponents would not want to see. They clearly, well, I don't know, clearly. It feels like they're pairing Wiseman's return with Draymond's. Like, all right, Wiseman comes back. We want to make sure Draymond is there to help him in the area. So uh, another I don't think they're going to play back. together very often. Um, he, but somebody but needs I to think, be on the court with him. Yeah, Iguodala is, is yeah, uh, that's kind a good of one. Iguodala's a good what one. I've been indicated. And, you know, he should be back by then, too. This is Steph Curry's points and field goal attempts in October, November, December, Draymond games. 29, 27, 27 points per game. And 21, 20, and 21 f- field goal attempts per game. January, February, March... 18 field goal attempts per game, 16, 18, uh, averaging 22 points, 24 points, 25 points. He has jacked it back to be more of the point guard, which we've mentioned. And as Marcus was talking about, he's just not getting a lot of his like pet stuff. The relocation, the DHO, right? The, the two-time DHO and one possession type stuff. I expect to see a Steph, you know, as we talk about the ramp up to the playoffs, I expect like a Steph Curry offensive aggressive level to go much higher once you see Draymond Green from a scoring standpoint and he can throttle back the playmaking because that's Draymond. Yeah, again, this is the, who the Warriors have been, it's who they are. They're not going to win a championship without it. You know, they're not going to, you know, we, we've seen them be Steph, Steph, Steph and that was the end of last season and then they played great 15-5 and then they lost two games in the play-in uh, games. It's just they've got to have other people who get him more shots, help him with his shot. I know Marcus always wants him on the ball and he can't be on the ball, but not when there's two guys jumping him. And you know, when you do the pick and roll all the time, they just put two guys on staff. And Nobody says do pick and roll all the time. Stop morphing <laughs> our, our argument here. That's not what uh, we're saying. Uh, <laughs> ISO, uh, listen, the, he's going to get his ISOs because he's Steph Curry. And, and he, he does it guys, though. Yeah, he does yeah. it. He doesn't get his ISOs. That's, I don't know. Post up Kamingo before they get Steph and Isaac. <laughs> they don't. I I don't know what they're doing with with Kaminga just standing outside the three point line all the time. And I think they want him to dive right. That's what they want. But it's hard for him to figure out exactly when he should dive. Put him at the elbow a little bit. Put him you know put him in a spot where he can get the ball and take one dribble and go instead of you know 
dribble, dribble, turn, spin. That and like you're gonna get, you're gonna turn the ball over sometimes there. Like get him in a spot where he's moving, he's coming off of some action, and then he creates a reaction in the defense that he, either he has an open shot, get can get himself an open shot, or he moves it to somebody who is now wide open because of his action. I don't know about that whole standing outside the three point line thing. It just leads him to shoot three pointers, just what it does. Although he's making them, it's clearly not the shot that they would prefer for him. And it's a little weird. It's a little weird. His placement on the offense is a little weird. Maybe it's him. Maybe they do want him. They preached to him, dive, dive, dive. That's who you are right now. You're a dive man. They were like so happy with his quote in Portland where he was like, you know, I. We have seven shooters on this team. I don't necessarily have that to. That was a, a unique Kaminga quote, too. Like, that was un. Yeah. I mean, he took three, right? It wasn't a lot. He made. He's he took twelve shots. He's taking more than they'd like, but Tim Tim made the correct point. I mean, he's confident in his shot, and it's tough to tell him like, dude, stop taking it because he's hitting it at like forty percent <laughs> right now, <laughs> and he's open. I mean, he is open. It's he's like it's not open, like he's taking yeah. contested threes. Like, the last three months, January eleven of thirty one from three, like thirty five percent. That's solid. Uh, February ten of thirty from three, thirty three percent. You know, respectable. Uh, this month nine of twenty one, forty three percent from three. Like the guy for three straight NBA months has been a very capable three point shooter. Yet they don't want him to do it. I don't know. It, it is kind of weird. You know, obviously it's a flowing motion offense, so it's not like they say you go there to start this action. That's it. They might have to kind of do that. Just like we're gonna do that, like that. You know, the, the, it's that that back screen they do for Wiggins, which they haven't seemed to really do that much recently. But they were doing a ton of was getting him two buckets a game. Like do something like that for Kaminga, where he's coming off an action that's inside, not like he's got to go run all the way through. I just think you, you can capitalize a little bit more on what he does instead. Of, I just don't know that he helps their offense other than when he's making the threes, just standing out there because it's just another guy standing around the three point line. You know what really helped their offense? If they get Steph some action, that's what that's what really you know you know well, that's what true. I mean that's true. That's true. get Steph I mean, some action. Like I think you know obviously the Clippers didn't play well, but you know they fell for the trap this game too. It's the same trap every time where it's like oh you know they didn't double Steph that much. You know what they did? They put Terrence Mann to face guard him, and the Warriors didn't even try. They said, oh, well, if he's going to face guard him, we're just going to go with everywhere else. So you end up with Steph with 12 shots, many of them after long stretches of not getting the ball, so he chucks one, and he's got the same number of shots as Kaminga. Like, to me, that's the part where it's like, oh, okay, the Clippers, you're going you're gonna to face guard with Terrence Mann? Clear out. <laughs> this is what you want to do? Clear out. You're going to have to play some defense, right? Like, so to me, that's the stuff where it's like, all right, it worked on this game, but this is probably not a real sample size. But if you get Steph going, now it works wonders for Kaminga, you know, and all that. I, I think you're right, Slater. I think eventually Steph will be more aggressive. He he does spend way too much time standing in the corner. Point, He's like, like point, go, he pointing yeah, at Jordan. Go, yeah, Jordan, yeah, like, go, go, Jordan. Like, you know, like, go, Jordan, that's up to like, Steph. That's, on Ste- that's up to uh, Steph. It's absolutely on Steph. It's absolutely on Steph. It's on Steph. It's on the offense. It's on the philosophy of oh, you want to overplay Steph? All right, we got a, we got other guys. <laughs> we got other guys. Don't worry. Face guard him, Terrence Man. Right. Go uh, get him, Bielitsa. Go get him. Yeah, go get him. It's just to me, it's it's a it's a it's a wild philosophy to take. But you know, on nights like this, it worked. Going back to the regular Steph rotation is a sign. Uh, you know, like they're going to go back to Steph. Like this is. 
it was nice for a while. Everything was working just fine, and now it's not working. Uh, we're gonna. They go weren't at all soon. threatened by the Clippers last night, huh? They were just <laughs> like, Steph, <laughs> Steph has a lot of control over the situation, and as he made clear in L.A. post game, and maybe Marcus, I would like to get your kind of take on the Lakers post game, Steph, where he, as you wrote, like kind of sounded the alarm bells. When it matters, like he is going to put a big imprint, and he—I don't think he's there, but he's getting there. So, like, okay, it's time to like really turn this thing up. Even, I'm, but it is a team that understands probably better than any team in the league. Like, all the regular season drama and angst matters a lot less than it feels like in the moment. April fifteenth or whatever date the playoffs tip off, like that's when it really. Matters. And who knows that better than them, right? Nobody currently in the league knows that better than probably LeBron. But yeah, I mean, obviously. The concern with that would be you're relying on guys who don't know that. You're relying on guys who don't know how to respond to that. We've never seen Wiggins in that pressure. We've never seen these young guys in that pressure. Will they know what to do? Will will it work like clockwork? Because you haven't worked on it all year. Or is the Steph, Clay, Draymond, you know, will they know what to do enough that it'll just click and everybody else will follow suit? That's the part. And Iguodala. And Iguodala. And Iguodala. Yeah, I always forget about Iguodala. We haven't seen him in so long. <laughs> we haven't yeah. seen him. I mean, like, we also haven't like, seen Jordan Poole in the. In we have seen Andre yeah. Iguodala uh, release a podcast that included Steph Curry and had some interesting comments. I don't know if we want to get into those. What is it called? Oh, the Point Forward with the Andre forward. Iguodala and Evan Turner. One of his best right. I didn't even know they had started that yet. So all good, all good. Uh, how, how many different Warriors are going to end up with podcasts by the end of the seasons? Well, the, it, and even the head coach had one flying exactly. coach for a while. Remember, we that? count rogues, bogues, or whatever. They're going to count that one too. They're, sure, all, all the podcasts are. Out all, there. We're all just waiting on the Clay Thompson pod. That's all we're doing. <laughs> we're just all waiting. Did you listen to the point forward yet? I did. Well, so I what were the interesting points? I had not listened to it. So Evan, I think it was Evan Turner said something at the end to Steph about like he should get equity with the Warriors, and it just kind of dovetailed into a conversation where Iguodala. He's always got a little bit cryptic, but he was mentioned Joe by name. But he was like, you know, sometimes I have to tell Joe that, you know, this is us that did it, not you, essentially. And I'm paraphrasing. People can go find the clip. And he mentioned, I think he used the word. I remember he was like, there's this narrative out there that they're building that, uh, you know, they're creating the next championship team. And like, you know, they don't realize how hard it is to actually win the championship. It's worth a, a listen. And I mean, it just speaks to, you know, what we've talked about plenty, but like this. This is a very delicate venture that the Warriors are trying to, or needle they're trying to thread, whatever you want to say, of like, you know, building these two eras, or, you know, I guess honoring and allowing this fading era to chase the titles they've earned while also trying to grow the back end under them. And, you know, the asset uh, usage and, and, you know, do you try to aid one by mortgaging the other and 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 like it creates tension behind the scenes understandably foreign office is very fortunate that kaminga and moody are coming on like this like can you imagine if they weren't which was very possible right very possible the two 19 year olds would not especially without wiseman playing at all yeah that that would have been really you know they go through this they go two and eight or one and nine or whatever the math is i'm forgetting and those guys are not, or or they're forced into roles and they're terrible. Like that would have been quite tense, quite tense. Uh, Andre's got a point. Also, I would say he would have more of a point if he was playing, uh, which he is not. But that's okay. I mean, he he was incredibly important for this team for for all their championships, and he could be incredibly important for this team right now. 
Um, and that's all understood. Like they, this, the Warriors aren't the Warriors without all those guys, those four guys, and many, many, many others. But um, man, if Kaminga, like specifically, if Kaminga was not playing like this, or not playing at all, or was in the G League, that would ramp up the tension by about a hundred, <laughs> no question, by a hundred. You know what else helped the front office and ownership this season? The Gary Payton, like you know, find and the like stick into their you know guns on that and like him working out like he did that was Um, the ultimate like be quiet we got this right like (laughs) and you know at the time it was like and also porter bielitsa now some of that has really faded but uh but as tim said like at least they have this young group which is really where the tension lies because not only is it hey they're not using that to get you veteran win now they're also, in some ways, requiring is is a strong word, but like you know, they kind of need them to be the mentors. They're asking them to do like double duty. It's not just hey, go win, but it's also like you know, be a coach, be an assistant coach, be a mentor, and that Iguodala I think made pretty clear was also part of issue is too strong. But I, people should listen to the conversation. I don't like sitting here and just paraphrasing. The Iguodala podcast. We'll have, we'll soon have the Gary Payton the second podcast and the. Nemanja Bielitsa podcast. I just want the Clay Thompson and Jordan Poole podcast. That's all. <laughs> give me, give me that. We're good, right? Or you got to, you, you got to have Clay on the, the boat. Third, you'd be the third chair on that one, MT. You got to make sure you're the third chair. Clay on, on the boat. I don't know what you do about sound. Hey Tim, a, according to ESPN, a um, starting quarterback was traded to the Washington Commanders for two third round picks. I saw that Carson, but Wentz. it is not Jimmy yes, Garoppolo. Yeah, he's Four Niner fans do not want to hear this. Carson Wentz is a higher value on the trade market. No, he's way lower. Jimmy yeah, Garoppolo not, is going to get just, a first-round pick. Yeah, exactly. He only got two-thirds. Yeah. I feel like there were plenty of 49er fans who would agree with you, they Tim, did, after they, watching I, Jimmy Garoppolo. This is this weird, like, they hate him, they want him bench, but they also want a first-round pick for him. It's like, he just... Yeah, he's it's great. Not the entire of the same people, but ship. it's it's many of the it's many of the same people. And I've been trying to warn them. Like it just he does. I talk to NFL people. I do talk to them. That doesn't mean there isn't one team that values Jimmy Garoppolo more than everybody else. But in this pecking order, the Russell Wilson trade and Aaron Rodgers staying in Green Bay meant nothing to Jimmy Garoppolo's value. Nothing. That's that was already baked into this. And I, w- I would guess, I've said two fours for Jimmy Garoppolo, and Carson Wentz goes for two threes. I'd say I'm pretty feeling pretty good for two fours No, nope, Garoppolo right nope. now. No, the Colts are going to take those two thirds. <laughs> yeah. they're gonna, a third and a fourth. Third and a fourth have been screwed no, me by they don't need, No, they're going to send their first-round pick to the 49ers to get wow. Garoppolo, and now they've got two-thirds as compensation. Maybe they'll send uh, DeForest Buckner. <laughs> yeah, there you go. DeForest Buckner and the first to the 49ers for wow. give him Kinlaw. Give, give him Kinlaw back. Hey, you want you want Kinlaw? You can you can have Yeah, it. you take Kinlaw. Yeah. Alright, this is not 49ers plus minus, although it could be. It sure could be. It sure could be. We will be back on Tuesday after the return of Draymond and possibly Wiseman, who knows? But that's it for us this week. We will holler at you.